This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats to keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Hi, my name is Michelle Obama, and I feel less cautious <laughs> about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Really? So, because w when we first <laughs> talked, you were cautiously optimistic. There's always a little hint of danger. You I, just said, never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. With my friend Conan. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school. Hello, Conan O'Brien here, host of Conan O'Brien Needs Friend. Uh -huh. My name's in the title, which yeah. means I get to host it. Yeah. Uh, joined here by, of course, Matt Gorley and Sonam of Sessian. Hello. Hi. And, uh, I am just back from the great city of San Francisco. Oh, really? How was it? Love San Francisco. Did yeah. you have a good time? How was it nice? Uh, now I'm sensing some, is it anger, resentment? What, ha what happened here? <sighs> We're pissed. Yeah. You're pissed because let me explain to our listeners. I was asked uh, to, to go to San Francisco. Um, to assist uh, former First Lady Michelle Obama uh, with promotion uh, for her latest book, The Light We Carry. And because um, no one can get the word out on a book like Conan O'Brien. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I went and Mrs. Obama very kindly said that she would uh, do our podcast mm. while I was up there. So I thought I should take all necessary personnel with me. Yeah. So I took Eduardo. Eduardo, did you have a good time? It was good. You yeah. don't have and to I, feel, Eduardo. You, you, feel, you, don't, you don't have to feel bad. You no, are no. necessary. This isn't I feel your like this fault. This is a trap. No, okay. no, no, it's not no. your fault. Eduardo, you came with me because you are an excellent sound Thank engineer. Thank you. It was. And Aaron Blair, as or as I call you, Blay, you came along too. I did. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Was, yeah. I don't yeah. even know what you did yeah, on the why trip. Is this to be yeah, honest what, with you. Why? Yeah. 
Stop making mouth noises as the substitution for explanation. I don't know how to answer. I mean, I I feel like I I I facilitate. I I I lubricate uh, social lubricants. Oh my god! We shouldn't be mad at him. Yeah, I am. I don't know why. I I think I did a brilliant thing, which is I immediately identified. uh, Paula Davis came along. Of course, Booker extraordinary. Adam was there too. Everybody in this room. Adam Sachs was there because I think Adam put it best when he said, "I get to go." I think that's what he is said. Is that all we have to do? He said, I get yeah. to go. Now, listen, no, you two were not invited along. We have to keep costs down. And you're expensive, Sona. You have all these demands when you travel. I am not expensive. You're very expensive. I think that you are you always ashamed want... of us a no. little bit. Yes. No, I'm not yes. ashamed no. at all. I think what it is, is he doesn't, he's afraid that we're going to charm Mrs. Obama yeah. too much. And he doesn't want that tension taken off of him. I, you, know? you know what else I think? You know what else is? Okay, we went to Milwaukee. Was it Milwaukee? Yeah. To interview her. Yeah. Then we did a Zoom interview, her second interview. Mm-hmm. Matt and I were at both of those. I know. Then you go to this third one and suddenly we're not there. She thinks you probably like yeah. fired us. I know. Well, first of all, Tout should remember you. Um, oh. Well, she meets a lot of people. Oh. Uh, also, we weren't invited to the Barack Obama session either, and now I'm starting to sense a pattern. It's making me real uncomfortable. But there is no pattern because we've been there for two of them. So yeah, this doesn't make any sense. What about the possibility that you've had your chances to hang with Michelle Obama? So have you. And that maybe at I'm the host of the thing. I know, but we could have gone and you could have stayed. Oh, yeah, that would have been a great conversation. Yeah. Oh, Mrs. Obama, tell us what you like about Cher. (laughs) What does she like about Cher? What's your favorite flavor of edible? Finally, a fresh perspective. All the questions you ask have been unique and different. What did you shoplift when you were 24? Yes. Yes, you know, these are the things people want to know. What did you ask her? Oh, how was it like growing up in the south side of Chicago? Like, she hasn't been asked that right. like 10,000 right. times. I asked fascinating questions. I don't know. I just edited it this morning, and it was lacking a certain, mm, let's say, Sona and Matt. Oh. <laughs> what a terrific podcast we have where prior to the interview with Michelle Obama, you announced to the people who can decide whether or not they want to listen to it or not, it's lacking something. It is. Yeah. What a, what it's a, lacking yeah. the two of what us. A, yeah. What a screwy organization we I have. I chuckle. He has his quips. You probably needed them. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that, um, well, I think we should ask Adam Sachs. Adam Sachs, you were there and you're a fair man. Do you think this interview is worth people's time, Adam? Uh, That's a trick question. Yeah, do you? That's a trick question. Did you like the interview I had with Mrs. Obama? Because I think, I'm not going to kidding around, this is my favorite one of the ones I, we've done. And I, I feel, like the I other two really a lot. Bad because I, I feel bad because I, I think that Matt and Sona do really add a hell of a lot to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, but. And are always great. And yeah. I think they would have been, they would not have taken away from the interview that you had with right. Mrs. Obama. Right. They might have added something. Right. Right. But I also think it's true that this is, the best, the best conversation between the yeah, two. Yeah, it's a really good one. And I'll say something else, which you both have to remember, is that when you're talking to someone like uh, Michelle Obama, who was the first lady of, of this uh, nation for eight years, when you're talking to someone uh, in that upper, 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 upper echelon, um, background checks are involved. <laughs> and I, Gorley, to yeah, be fair, yeah. I think you were probably probably involved with the John Birch Society sometime in the late 80s. What? There was some weird, whatever. You've got some weird skeletons in your closet. I, I'm more liberal than you, you, you arch conservative. You I were, don't know what John Birch Society You were arrested uh, 
You arrested w- once with uh, three ventriloquist dummies, and you were in the park. Now that and that what is were you true. Doing? Exactly. Were you it was. Listen, them? these are background <laughs> checks. Excuse me. What's that? What'd you say? What'd you, What'd say? you say? I was fucking What'd you, them. What'd you say? What did I you was, say? I was so romancing you, them before I. Sona, this is a Michelle Obama podcast. <laughs> why can't you hold it together? I said it quietly. I was. Oh yeah, into an expensive <laughs> microphone. Yeah. That's designed to catch the sound of cells dividing. And you have to go there with that. He said ventriloquist dummy in the park. Yeah, Why was all right. He there? And that always means. He's fucking up. Also, no. Stop For it. the record, Sona, I was not off. fucking them. I was making love to them. There's a huge difference. He always buys them wine first. Jesus Christ. Now, and Sona, you know, you know that you would not survive a background check. You're in this country illegally. You've what? done all kinds of stuff. No, we've. First of all, we've met her. Yeah, we've already we've been checked. We've already that's, met her. We've been vetted. Yeah. So you didn't take us you did for this. You no she reason. Got, she got better background check people. Oh, better than what? The, yeah, the first two times she was on the show, <laughs> she was dealing with a really bad background check organization. And she was always talking to the wrong people. Uh, and it was bad. She was doing them herself. Yeah. She was just Google searching us. Yeah, checking people out. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, uh, no, this was, I'm, I'm sorry that you guys couldn't be there. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not sorry I follow, at all. And, I, and, and listen, I have to follow, you know, no, Adam has you, very strict dictates about keeping no. things. This is uh, your fault? No, I would oh. have loved for you guys to be there. Although, oh, but, oh, oh, wow. Okay. All right. I just, mm. it's an important. Conan said no. It's an important interview. And it has to go just right. Can, can and, just, and excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And you are, I'm sorry, Matt, you're a loose cannon. And this one brings up uh, ventriloquist fucking every 10 minutes. I can't have it. You brought up ventriloquist a, dummies. And when we first- I said to, ventriloquist dummies. And we I didn't add the implied. second part. That's we, Sona. No, we that's know Sona. No. Don't say, oh, you brought up ventriloquist dummies. So therefore, you're a monster. That's what you meant. And when we went out the first time to Milwaukee, we were model co-hosts or Sidekicks, we barely peed. Well, up at all. To be nice, fair, you've gotten more comfortable nicely. though, and that's a risk. Oh, is that oh. what it was? Yes. Yeah. And you know what? I, that's to, a to, risk. Hold it. To pick up where Adam is is coming from, and this is true, yeah. Matt. Um, you are not the same guy that went to Milwaukee. You were very buttoned down and professional then. You uh, you love getting the laughs, the chuckles. You'll say the uh, aberrant, errant quip every now and then and we all love you for it but i cannot have that kind of behavior not with a around first michelle obama. lady i would never ever oh please are you ki- <sighs> <sighs> why are you <sighs> keeping us from the obamas though seriously what is it why why don't you let us why can't you let us i think there's a chance if i play my cards right that I could get into the Obama inner circle. Oh, no, that's and, never going to And happen. be invited no. like, you know, when they're getting together with their best friends no. from Chicago, mm. from those days, like their best, best, best friends, that I'm there too. No. Now you call that delusional if you want, but this is the long game. And I can't take a chance on you two idiots. Mm. I just can't. <sighs> You're out of control, Sona. Wow. And Gorley, I know that you have some horrible, horrible skeletons in your closet. I can't prove it, <laughs> but I can't take the risk. Uh, I just don't know what, what we should say. Is Should we just branch out on our own? Should Maybe. We just, 
Yeah, you know? I think that me and you know what me and Matt we're we're gonna start booking our own Conan O'Brien needs a friend episode <laughs> with Melania Trump. When yeah, we're gonna just <laughs> do it without you because we really do need his name. <laughs> I think that it's... we'll still yeah we'll still use the all right. Name. Listen, yeah. listen. If you feel badly, I'm sorry, and next time I'll get you on board. Okay? No, you won't. I will. No, I will. you won't. I didn't say. I mean, I will. I'm. I really will, and you can hear it in my voice. And I'm really gonna do it. And we know we know. <laughs> how to be behaved when when the guest demands it you know okay well all right yeah i just you know yeah you know i can you guys i can trust you like around sarah silverman but that's it you know mm-hmm. um you know what i mean but what about you yeah you can't be trusted yeah you of all people shouldn't be talking to the first lady i agree with you <laughs> <laughs> i agree with you a hundred percent but uh, that's the way it went down. All right. And uh, I blame uh, the Obamas for their poor decisions. Oh, man. <laughs> man. They need to raise their podcast bar. Uh, anyway, um, I did miss you guys. Um, no, you didn't. Okay, leave it alone. You're trying to wrap it up and you're yeah. saying things that are all false. Yeah. Glad I didn't bring you. Yeah. Uh, it you. went so well. Thank what you. you're about to hear. Refreshing. What you're about to hear is uh, free. Of, you know, it's like you guys are the pulp in the orange juice. And some people don't want the pulp. Uh, this is just beautiful, clear, Ugh. wonderful, pulp-free orange juice. Clear. Uh, my, <laughs> my guest today. Come on, let's pull it together. My guest today is a former first lady, best-selling author of the 2018 memoir, Becoming. Her latest book, The Light We Carry, Overcoming in Uncertain Times, is available now. I'm very honored she's with us today. <laughs> Michelle Obama, welcome. The word on the street. Yeah. Conan's nothing but trouble. I gave a speech once years ago at Dartmouth, and uh, the first uh, President Bush was there. He was long out of office, um, and actually... Uh, you and President uh, Obama were in office at the time, but I gave a speech and he was mm-hmm. there and um, Barbara Bush was there, mm-hmm. the first lady. And just before I got up to give my speech, she looked at me and all she knew is he's some comedian from television. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, you behave. <laughs> so I got up and gave a very, I was a, a very <laughs> respectful introduction to uh, the president, I, I, uh, the former president, and I didn't, uh, and I did behave. And um, she was quite pleased. And afterwards, my mother went up to her and said, I've been telling him that for 40 years. He never, never listened, listened to me. But Barbara Bush looks you in the eye. You know, I, when she has a lady, way. She has a way. Barbara Bush had that tone. So, yes. Yeah. You know, she, it felt like she was going to pull your ear afterwards if, <laughs> if it didn't happen. So you thought, no, nah, I'm not going to risk being yanked by. I am not going to cross <laughs> that, this like, woman. That lower uh, side pinch that mothers do or under the arm. Oh, is that what you got? Did you get under the arm? I would do that. I I didn't get it, but sometimes I would give it. The girls still reminisce about some of those moments where, you you know, you got the kind of come here. I said, you know, your teeth are kind of gritty and you don't want to show that there's abuse happening, but there's a little <laughs> pinch. And they talk about how they go, oh, mom. mom. I was like, you be quiet. We're in public. Yeah, I, I used would. to, uh, <laughs> my son uh, used to be this fun little boy and I would wrestle and toss him all around the room. Mm-hmm. During COVID, he grew to six feet, Ooh. three and a half inches. Ooh. And he's much stronger than me. 
I come home and he just throws me against the wall. Really? Yeah, it I doesn't would go love well to for me. see that. <laughs> I really would. Is it I, like an immediate attack? It's an Is immediate it attack. <laughs> I'd like to, re- uh, let's just quickly recap. You said I reek of danger <laughs> and you'd like to see me beaten. These are the things that you've said so far. No, this doesn't no. bode well for me. No, you're taking it all out of context. No, I'm really not. Uh, <laughs> I'd say I said um, those things exactly. You know, it's funny. It just occurred to me because I was talking to your people because mm-hmm. you've got people now. I do. I've you've always had, had people. What do you mean now? You've always had people? Yeah. Well, you've got more people now. No, I don't have I, many I, people. I think I have less people than when I was in the White House. Really? Because we're now paying for the people. So they're <laughs> less of them. I know for sure. So you, the minute you, there it's on your dime, it's, it's far fewer, fewer people. Same amount of work fewer people. But anyway, yes, I do have people. And so what did they say to you, the people? No, just before we Mm -hmm. got started here, they were recounting, because I was curious about your book tour and they were telling me, played this giant hall two nights ago, three nights before that, this city, that city, flying, flying, flying. And it occurred to me, you're in show business. Is it? And it's like- No, but it's it's impressive. Like you're selling out, you know, uh, giant uh, halls. And it is, I don't know how you feel about it. Are you enjoying it? Because your first tour was such a hit. It was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, I enjoy it because this is really- how I can interact with people in kind of a, you know, it's like Secret Service won't let me in a crowd that size if everybody's not seated and ticketed. So oh, okay. it, That's it's right. actually, for me, I I need people's energy, you know, and yep. for the last few years, because of quarantine, none of us had it. Um, you know, the at the end of last book tour, you know, it that's right after that, right after all those arena tours, all those people, all the community events, as I wrote, that's when quarantine happened. And yeah. we went from all of that energy and all the hugging and loving to years of uncertainty and isolation. And I'm like everybody. It's like I need to be around people and be reminded of why this country is good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and those kind of places the the theaters that we're in it's like when you lead with goodness you know it shows up it 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 responds people yes. respond to that i find if i'm like a lot of us watching the news i can get very down mm-hmm. very depressed because we all know that the news needs to be negative it's yeah. almost like there's an algorithm that says mm-hmm. if it's negative it's got to be on the news and just what you're talking about. I find that if I can get out and see people. Mm-hmm. Now, even if it's people I don't agree with, yeah, who don't vote the way that I mm-hmm. vote or have different beliefs, I still like to talk to people and I feel better. I mm-hmm. feel connected, which is, I think, what you're... That's exactly it. Because, you know, uh, one phrase I say, it's harder to hate up close. Yeah. And when you're with people looking at them in the eye, and I found this all throughout the eight years in the White House campaigning, mm-hmm. even if I was in a town that was n- not supporting my husband, people are still courteous, you know. Yeah. And if you're ready to be vulnerable and start sharing some of yourself, you slowly get their walls to come down, you know, because they're judging us from a distance, too. But then when you get there and you start talking about the things you have in common, your family, yeah. you know, your upbringing. Well, that's um, huge too. Family. And if you reveal, and this gets me into your book, uh, if you reveal insecurities to people, mm-hmm. 
there's a common philosophy or a first assumption that if you reveal an insecurity, you're weakening yourself. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, if you reveal an insecurity, you strengthen the bond with the other person because you're allowing them to see the real you. And it's this kind of magical trick that I don't think is discussed enough. And it's I'll I'll tell you this. Mm-hmm. I I I read uh, I read your first book and I loved it. I read The Light We Carry and when I finished this book and I've also read uh, uh, your husband's book. I'm always nervous about the correct phrasing. The president's book. Him. Him. That, that guy. That guy. <laughs> that guy. As you said to me once when I was hosting uh, when I was going to perform at the White House <laughs> Correspondents Dinner and you and I are sitting together and we you were very so nice to me because it's such a crazy nerve wracking thing and you were so nice to me and and we were chatting and then you said something about the president and well he thinks that when, you know he said uh, here's what's going to happen after we leave office and here's where we're going to go and here's what we're going to do and this is what we and the kids have decided and she says now that guy may have different ideas <laughs> But that guy doesn't know the score. And I said, that guy is the president of the United States. I just love that you've earned the right to call him that guy. That guy. Which and he didn't of really us... know what he was talking about. He, <laughs> no, thought, said... he thought he had a say. But said... we just sort of let that guy believe that he has some power in his household. <laughs> it's like, just let him, just let him talk. Right? Yeah, yeah, my wife does that. She, she lets me, me think that I'm making big That's decisions. Right. And yeah. then I Ooh, notice yeah. this isn't where I said we were going <laughs> to vacation. Exactly. I never said this town, huh? Well, I guess we are skiing after all. <laughs> and Maybe I'm that's enjoying what I said. it. It's actually nice, but yeah. But what I've uh, found about uh, your book, which is so nice and different, I, I think, uh, than the first book, is that you're addressing something that I talk about a lot on this podcast, which is there is a common misconception that people who are in your position mm-hmm. or to a much lesser degree, my position, people that uh, are known that we don't uh, have anxieties, we don't have issues, and you have some revelations in the book, which I think are going to help a lot mm-hmm, of people. Mm-hmm. Because one of your early in the book, you talk about this terrible fear you had, this anxiety about just before your first book came out, and your self doubts, and you're going to put mm-hmm. yourself out there, and it ends with, "Am I good enough?" And I read it, and it occurred to me. This is 2018. Mm-hmm. You've already been the first lady of the United States for eight years. You're not saying this, well, mm-hmm. it was 1984, or 1985. Mm-hmm. I was nervous. This is 2018. Yeah. You're feeling all of that. And I felt that way before this book came out, too. I mean, we we practice those messages. We all do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, especially if you're different, you know, <laughs> tall, black woman. Um, we're raised in a society where we're constantly questioning, are we good enough? That that question is planted in us. Right. So what I'm revealing to people is that it was planted in me too. And it's a, it, it's a thing that I continuously struggle with. And it's interesting because you struggle with it now. Mm-hmm. It's going to be with you the whole, you know, for the whole ride you know, my text to my wife just before I came in here today was, well, I'm going to go and uh, uh, talk to Ms. Obama again on the, on the podcast and, you know, uh, feeling some anxiety. And she wrote back, what What are you talking <laughs> about? Um, and you couldn't be an easier person to talk to, but it is practically, yeah. it, uh, and, and in your book, you talk about how, I think you quote Lynn manuel Miranda. Mm-hmm. 
you say it's kind of necessary to be anxious. That's right. Well, and I talk in the book about I've learned how to be as a tool, how to be comfortably afraid that fear is always there. It's an emotion that we need because mm -hmm. oftentimes it keeps us safe. It keeps us out of trouble. Um, I also explore the fact that when we don't learn how to decode it and how to manage it, it can also keep us stuck, yep. stuck in our sameness and our isolation, not just stuck from moving from one point to the next, but it, it keeps us stuck with the same people, the people who make us comfortable, the same ideas. And that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah. But when you're like us, I would say, people who constantly push themselves outside of their comfort zone, it's not that the fear goes away. You just learn how to be comfortable in that ride yes. that, that you're going to take. And as Lynn said, I, I wrote about, he said he uses that uh, that fear as rocket fuel. Yeah. And you learn how to manage the rocket. You know, if you if you don't ride it well, it can you can crash into the sea, you know. Yeah. But if you learn how to go with it and manage it, it can take you to the moon. So now, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. You know, it's only a matter of time until your check engine light comes on, which could equal an expensive repair bill, and a new engine can cost up to $6,000. Don't I know it. But this is why you need this product I'm about to mention right now. Okay. CarShield. Mm. CarShield offers plans with low monthly rates that you can pay for your expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. It's so nice to have that protection of CarShield. I know. I believe. That's my belief. Some people have other beliefs, maybe religious beliefs. I think CarShield. CarShield plans provide protection on up to 5,000 major parts and systems, including items like transmission, mm. engine, even your entertainment system. Mm. Just call CarShield and choose the mechanic to do the work. CarShield administrators will handle the rest and save you money. Look, I saw your car today. You've got a beautiful car, but you've got to haul your family around in this yeah. car. This is a vital piece of machinery for you. You need Car Shield. I do. And you know, I you know I don't take care of my cars very well. So Car Shield it would definitely come in. You know, and also with their A rating from the BBB, don't ask me. Car Shield is the name you can trust to save you money on covered auto repairs. Now's the time to make the smart choice and protect yourself from the sky high auto repair bills. Visit carshield.com slash Conan. Save twenty percent today. Again, that's carshield.com slash Conan to save twenty percent. Visit carshield.com slash Conan. 
to lock in your price today. Brian Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT Self Setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self Setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, <laughs> you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. I tell my daughter, who's a lot like me, mm-hmm. I tell her, and she's a freshman in college, and I tell her, you know, she'll get very intense about, I've got this paper, mm-hmm. I've got this test. And I, since she was a little girl, been talking to her about her worry brain. Yeah. I'll say, yeah. Nev. Her fearful I'm, mind, as I call it. Yeah, you call yeah. it fearful mm-hmm. mind, and I always call it to her worry brain. And I said, Nev, bad news is you got my worry mm-hmm. brain. And that's my, that's on me. Yeah. Your mom doesn't have it, but I have it. You've got the worry mm-hmm. brain. Uh, so what you need to do is you need to look at the user's manual that came with you. And that's my way of looking at it. Go to section it. three. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, I was explaining this to someone and they told mm-hmm. me, oh, this is a very, they had a, a name for it in psychology where you, you remove, you act as if your mind is mm-hmm. something outside mm-hmm. of you. You look at it from a distance. Yeah. And I told her, you've got to look at the manual. Mm-hmm. And the manual says the NEV... Ellis Powell O'Brien is an amazing machine and it can do all these great things. Sometimes runs hot Mm -hmm. in these situations. Right, right. And when that happens... Press eject. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't said that, but I like that. Right, but this is, you know, what you're doing with Nev is is what a lot of us don't do in our parenting. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't help our kids, especially these days, practice their way through their fear, their anxiety. Our generation of parents, we try to prevent them from feeling it at all. Yeah. You know, that's the helicopter part of it. Yes. And I talk about how my mother and father deliberately tried to push us towards fear because, or or push us through the fear because they knew what it looked like to be stuck in your sameness, stuck in your difference. And the the tool that I'm offering parents is just that. Our kids should learn how to live in anxiety. Yeah. We shouldn't try to stop them from feeling it, just like we can't stop them from feeling failure right. because they have to learn how to practice through it. Right. And I think, you know, outside of the kids who are dealing with real serious mental health issues, a lot of the problem is that we are overparenting them. We don't want them to feel any fear because it makes us feel bad. So we step in and we try to fix it. So they never learn how to practice their way through it to get used to it. I remember 
when Sasha was, um, she had to be in not even in middle school. And she had, you know, I'm, I'm on alert for every sign of anything that was going wrong with the girls. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want this experience to screw them up. Right. right? Which is a legitimate it's a fear because they're in a fishbowl. In a fishbowl, yeah. an odd situation, something Barack and I never experienced. So we're constantly man- managing our parenting. So she's, comes to me and she's like, mom, I'm, I'm feeling anxiety. And I'm thinking, whoa, whoa, big word for a, you know, sixth grader. I was like, well, mm-hmm. tell me what's going on. I sit down. And she basically describes the fact that she gets anxious when she hasn't done her homework, when, when she has a test, you know, when she's procrastinated. Yeah. I was like, well, you know, you're supposed to have those feelings, you know, that you don't get medication because the the immediate response in the culture she was in was maybe I need medication. And I was like, no, 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 no. You have to learn. If you don't want to feel that kind of anxiety, then go to bed on time. Do your homework on time. Yeah. You know, y- you have to work your way through that. And sometimes as parents, because we just don't want our kids to suffer any right. any failing we stop those emotions from happening. And the thing that happens is that the first time your kid has to deal with anxiety, they're 30 years old. Yeah. They're out of your house. And you do not want your your child to be practicing learning how to deal with an- their anxiety when they're in their 30s or in their 20s or after they graduate from college. So right. what you're doing with Nev is that you're giving her some tools to help talk her through what are natural emotions. Right. That we all have to deal with. Right. We all feel fear. We all feel anxious. It's it's a part of the human experience. I think that's why so many of us struggled with quarantine and COVID and where the news is, because we don't like uncertainty. Yeah. But uncertainty is baked into the human experience. There's no way around it, you know? Life is unfair and it is uncertain. So let's stop trying to not feel that stuff. And now let's work on developing our tools, identifying the tools we have to get through this stuff. And that's what led to the writing of this book, because I'm sharing my tools. Right. You know, and I don't think I help anybody by pretending I'm the Michelle Obama that never fails, that never does anything wrong. I think that's an unfair thing to do as a model, especially to young people. Right. Because they naturally look at us up here and are, you know, out in the public, always looking good, flawless hair done, speaking perfectly, making people laugh. And they think it's never been hard for them. Right. And I want kids to see all my hard, all my flaws, all my broken, (laughs) you know, so that they know you too can get here. This is not a perfect path. No, no one has it. And I think we do kids with social media, this, you know, era of whitewashing ourselves, these perfect, perfect pictures, these images of celebrities all done up and lit just perfectly before they post. It's drive. It will drive our young people insane to think that that's what life is. I've made it a mission in life to never have a good picture of me out there. Are you uh, succeeding? So I am. Far, su- I'm killing it. Okay. Uh, there's never any makeup. Um, I often look drunk. <laughs> That's the way that I'm contributing. You're doing it through these thoughtful, thoughtful uh, writings and uh, really, uh, you know, uh, brilliant thoughts. And I'm doing it my way. Right. That's yeah. And your yeah. Way I don't have a shirt on wonderful. in a bunch of them. I don't work out. He's wearing a shirt now. Yeah, people. I am wearing a shirt. Just Let's... so you know, it's fully, fully dressed. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not drunk. 
wait a minute. You don't know. <laughs> That's true. I was down That's on that. There's a bar down I there. Heard. Yeah. I heard. I heard. A yeah, friend of mine saw there. you in the bar. I like to start at noon. <laughs> it's a good time to get going. It is funny because when I finished this second book of yours and having read now all three books, both that you've done, and you're lapping your husband, by the way. Well. Uh, that guy's got to get it going. That you know? guy. That guy. <laughs> he's he's, he's a written one. Slower. You've written two. Uh, <laughs> He wrote half of one, technically. There, um, there you go. You're keeping up. <laughs> you know, that's what he'd say. He's like, hey, 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 yeah, I, I have half of a book out He here. would. He would. <laughs> he would correct me very quickly. Uh, but um, I finished this book and I thought, I'm a lot more like Mrs. Obama than I am like the president because he's got this, you know, the times I've been around him and he, he did the podcast and the many times that I've had a chance to chat with him, he's got this inner... Um, inner calm mm -hmm. that I don't have. Yeah. I notice it the minute I meet someone. It doesn't matter if he's the mm -hmm. president or not the president to be a gas station attendant. I just know it when mm -hmm. I meet them. They have it. I don't. And in your book, you're talking about a, a lot of the things that tools that I found, I have different names for them, mm -hmm. but they're pretty much what you're talking about. Yeah. Like you have a rule, which is just keep it small, keep it simple. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, during uh, COVID and and all the anxiety, you started getting into knitting. Yeah, yeah. And I did a very similar thing uh, during COVID. I made a model airplane out just of a really, one. Don't say just one. Um, I, you know, I didn't. This I, is thought, a very I thought it was like more. <laughs> I don't mean. <laughs> It's just, it's just I made a model airplane. Do you well, know how many sweaters and blankets I've knitted? Like, this I'm thing, lapping you this in my hobby. This is a very complicated okay, yeah, no, plane. And I shouldn't. You shouldn't. I, I, I mean, saw the picture of it. It, it is, is made of balsa wood. It was a kit that was from like the 1940s that I found somewhere. How long did it somewhere. take you to make it? It took months, months. to make this thing. <laughs> and I was putting on a mask and going into the valley to a... And I don't make models. Right, I don't right. even do it. I was possessed. What made you go to the model airplane i mean what i don't know yeah, i have no yeah, idea yeah. but i wanted i suddenly thought i need to build something yeah. and this kit that someone had given me a long time ago that i thought i'm never going to build that mm -hmm. i said i'm going to build this world war one balsa wood giant complicated plane and i don't have any of the tools to do it so mm -hmm. i found a place where i could go wearing a mask and buy different glues and mm -hmm. stuff. It's the nerdiest thing I've ever done. And that's really saying something because <laughs> I am, you but know. The, like you said, we have gotten away from uh, creating things with mm -hmm. our hands. Yeah. You know, we are now of that culture where let the less, the better. You know, you punch a thing, swipe across a screen yeah. and everything is there. And I think that there is something meditative and soothing and it's something that we as humans need we need we were makers we've always been makers yeah. and i think we're restless in that you know because everything is so quick and ready for us so we we're not working so we have a lot of idle time to worry and be anxious over things when we should be when normally we would be chopping wood for the fire right We'd be collecting twigs. We'd have to go hunt and kill and skin an animal. Mm -hmm. You don't have time to be anxious about the evening news right. or to overthink everything because you're busy and your mind shuts off. That worrying mind, as I call it, mm -hmm. it just quiets when you're engaged in something with your hands that requires you to do nothing but focus on the thing in your lap. Right. And that 
to me was so clarifying, you know, that the process of a knit and a pearl stitch, a pearl and a knit stitch, a row after a row, and the satisfaction of completing a thing. Now, what were you knitting? Tell me some of the things you were knitting. Well, over the, oh, I started with the uh, anything rectangular. So lots of blankets, right? Okay, because as you're learning, you're just practicing getting your rows so straight. So just big rectangles. Big rectangles. But then, aha, uh-huh, I moved to hats. Oh. And eventually I moved to cardigan sweaters. You make cardigans? I have made two baby cardigan sweaters and a cardigan for my mom. I made a crew neck sweater for Barack. So I'm, I actually now know how to make a sweater. You know, Would you ever I put can, these on Etsy? Would you going to see these anywhere? People have, have asked. My staff has been like, well, you know, we can make so much money. And I was like, but see, then it's not a hobby. Now mm-hmm. it's now because when I first started doing it, I did it the Michelle Obama way. I overdid. I, I knitted something for everybody. Pillows. Everybody got a gift for Christmas. And I was knitting like I was Santa's elf. You know, <laughs> Barack would come and it's like, are you OK in there? It's like, I got to finish the blanket. <laughs> it's almost Christmas. And so I took it overboard, right? So now I'm trying to wean myself. I'm trying to pull it back a little bit, but that's that's my personality type. It's like, if I'm going to do it, I'm not going to build one model airplane. Well, well, okay, again. I'm going to build seven. Again, we're going to edit this later so that you're (laughs) far more complimentary. <laughs> uh, we're going to hire a, an actress who sounds a lot like you oh, it's gonna be to like, do a wow, dub and say that's Conan. so amazing. I mean, one and, just finishing one is what? enough and you'll it'll get back to you that we did this and you'll be like, "Oh, that's just sad." Um no, but, it's it, But it, the going small is I I think it's it's one of the most important tools that I can share with young people too. Mm-hmm. Once again, yeah, because I write about how this generation, you know, with this constant negative news and the worry about everything, they're always on their phones. They're getting too much information. The young people I run into are worried. Yeah. They are worried about the world. All of them. They're worried about climate change. They're worried about crime in their neighborhoods, and they're young, thinking about ways to fix everything. Right. You know, and they wear themselves out. What's paralyzing? It's paralyzing, totally paralyzing. When the thing they need to do is focus focus on your knitting. Yeah. All you can do at 12, 15 is go to school. (laughs) Yeah. Go to class. Finish your homework. You know, start there because that's the, the stitch. Those are the stitches you put together. And if you don't put each of those stitches together, you will never be helped. To, uh, of help to anyone yeah. because you will flame out. You will never graduate. You won't learn how to write. You won't know. So you're trying to take on these big problems that are too big for the power that you have. But you do have power to control the thing you can. That's why I say when I got into the White House, when people asked me what, I, what was going to be my agenda, I said, well, my first focus is going to be mom in chief, mm-hmm. you know, because I have to make sure that the kids I'm in charge of are good before I can help anybody else's kids. And I got criticized by feminists about that, like mom and chief. And I was like, well, of course I'm going to do everything else. That was a given. I know how to work. I know how to be a professional. I knew, you know, but I thought it was an important thing to say, I have to control what I can. I brought these two kids in the world. I have to be a good mother to them before I can help anybody. Yeah. You know, but we're, we so make great the enemy of the good. We so, 
you know, want to fix climate change that we don't even vote. You know, we want a democracy, but we can't be bothered to do the one thing we actually control, which is go to the poll one day every now and then and push a couple of buttons. But we want everything to be fixed because we think big is better. And what I find is that small is where change happens. Yeah. That's the that's the monotonous everyday stitch, the glue on the the propeller. The thank you. The, now you reeled me back in. The little thing you can do, mm-hmm. and there's satisfaction in completing that small thing that keeps you going for the next thing. So an, another tool that I have in that small thing is you're feeling anxious. The first thing is wake up every day, just. Focus on waking up, set your alarm, get up every day, take a shower, brush your teeth, do it again tomorrow and eat something and then move your body. It's like you will work yourself if you're not dealing with deeper depression issues. But the vast majority of people can slowly with small steps, at least I find that I do that. I can work my way into a more positive response because I just feel better. I feel better being awake. I feel better when I'm clean. It's, these aren't big, huge things that you're trying to tackle. This is just one stitch at a time. When my son was much younger, he was at the Warner Brothers lot and he was uh, visiting me and I took him to get lunch and he had a total meltdown. He was small enough that I could carry him and I had to pick him up in front of everybody and he was having a total I hate you <laughs> meltdown. And I took him back to my office and I sat him down, he's red faced crying. And I said, breathe, mm-hmm. don't talk, mm-hmm. eat this banana. <laughs> and he looked at me and he ate, and I said, we will discuss this in 10 minutes. And he sat there quietly eating this banana while I was doing my work at my desk. And after 10 minutes, he went, well, I do feel so much better. <laughs> and I thought, Why? Why their father? Yeah, father, this banana is so extraordinary. Lovely. It's like, who, who was that animal that was screaming <laughs> just a few minutes ago? Did you hear that shrieking? Oh, it was so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but it is really funny to me that um, I think that is something that comes with, uh, there are these tools you can use as a parent or you find yourself mm-hmm. using as a parent that you realize, wait, these also work on me. Yeah. And I have to remember this or it works with my wife Mm -hmm. or my wife will tell me, you need to take a walk. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to get your heart rate up. Then you need to eat a banana. That's right. And don't talk to me ever again. (laughs) Um, And that's really worked. And it works. This, you know, one thing that uh, you're going through, when you walked in the room, you said, how are you doing? And I said, we should talk on Mike Mm -hmm. because I know you've gone through this and I've not yet, but my daughter is in college. My son's a junior in high school, mm-hmm. but we're getting close to that emptiness time. Dun, dun, dun. I know. And here's the thing. My paranoia <laughs> is every now and then I see when you have kids, as you mm-hmm. know, it's all hands on deck. That's right. And just like you guys, we had two and they're two years apart and we're in it and everything is about them. And it's it, it, it binds you as a couple. Mm-hmm. And then I see my daughter's becoming more and more independent. My son is too, and he's out driving, and then he's going to leave. And every now and then, I think I see my wife looking at me and going, Ew. now what about that guy? <laughs> Maybe we could- uh, Ew. <laughs> she doesn't <laughs> say ew. Okay, you're going to edit Again, that out too. We're right? not going to, we're going to edit that out. We're going to edit, we're going to have the actress who plays you it's go, like, wow, oh, look at that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> That's a lot of man right there. 
no, but you do. You have this feeling of, of I mean, I, I know I'm being silly, but at the same time, I think, uh, you know, I wouldn't blame her for saying, eh, I think it's time to level up in that. <laughs> yeah, that was so I've just been putting up with you because you were the father of my offspring. Yes. And now, and now I have no use. Now I'm going to eat you alive. Exactly. Like yeah, yeah. Literally so, demolish you. So I don't know. How is uh, how is uh, your husband well, handling it? Here, it's interesting because I, I would wonder how your wife feels like you feel a sense of dread, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like these two are leaving and I'm going to miss them. And da, 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 da. I bet she's feeling like, bye, get out of my house. <laughs> I'm, I can't wait for you to go. And I love my kids. Yeah. Right. But oh, it sure sounds like it. <laughs> I do. I do really love them. Still, I can't still wait till do, I don't have but, to see you again. But here's the thing parenting when you are the primary parent you yeah, know and i sure. have a very involved husband really truly yeah. um but i'm still the primary parent i'm 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 the one that manages the weekend right and the weekends with teenagers is just all hands on deck it's like what party who's going are you dropping off and you know there's always a thing right and that's what it's been for the last 20 some odd years yeah. me and these two i've had so much quality time with them they have, you know, that I am, I am ready for them to go. I'm ready to hand them their lives. I'm so excited about it because it frees me up. And so what it did do, the good news for you, what happened to me is that all that anxiety, all that energy I was putting into them that had me worn out and sometimes a little irritable, it's all gone. And now guess what? I look over at my husband and I'm like, there you are. Oh. I don't resent you because I'm not exhausted, you know? Right. So I think there's going to be a lightness that comes about that you will not anticipate because you may not realize how much your wife has been holding on to. I just have to get these kids to the finish line. I just want them whole. I, I think that mothers think about that in a different way. I think we, we've held on to all this tension and anxiety through yeah. the child-rearing ages. We just want them to be safe. We want them to be whole. We've been worrying about whether they're going to graduate and do what they're supposed to do and get their tests, all the deadlines and all the... It's just nonstop. And it was for me. So when they left the house, all of that energy yeah. left and it made room for me Number one, I had more room time for me. Mm -hmm. And then I had more emotional energy for my husband. And now it's back to the way it was before the children, where we each had our own independent lives, right? And I didn't care. I don't care what he does because I don't need him to do. He can golf as much as he wants to. Well, and we also got rid of that thing that was the presidency. <laughs> so we we moved yeah. through that big child. That right. was like our third and fourth and fifth child, yeah. the presidency, right? So that's off our plates. There's a level of freedom um, and ability for each of us to take up our own projects. You know, we're our work is together, but it's not dependent on each other. I travel when I want with him or without him. It's back to those times where we live our lives and then we come back together. And it's like, what'd you do today? You know? Um, and it's not about the kids. It's yeah. about us. But that's, that, that's inspiring for me to hear. Yeah, don't. I, no. I should have mentioned my wife's already seeing someone else. <laughs> he works for us. 
works on the HVAC system. <laughs> he seems like a nice guy. I'm telling you, you went on this whole long thing and I'm like, I forgot to mention. And um, Well, there's that. I mean, if you've already, if you've already <laughs> lost her. You can't just dismiss it as, well, of I course, mean, yes. Occasionally you know, there is like, the guy who does the HVAC. If you've already lost her, I don't know what to tell you, but I think we can, you know, you lost her. You know, you don't mention that in no, The Light I don't, We I don't Carry. go over that. I don't go over that part. You should have a, se- a separate <laughs> Conan section at the end. I got to say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go. And for good reason. It's an absolute hit. Yeah. I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever. Okay? Okay. But lately I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly Go. You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do partner events where you can build on each other's boards and crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for, or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. (laughs) There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts or money sprees that have fun new mini games. Plus, with tons of rewards to collect, like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah. And we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up. And I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan. I just flashed in my mind, but I uh, I have to bring up, um, there was a time when you and I visited a military base together yeah. mm-hmm. in the Middle East, 
and it was a great trip and you were going to say hi to the troops mm-hmm. and they were so happy to see you. It was Doha, yeah. I believe, Air Force mm-hmm. Base. And you brought me to do a show for them, which was, mm-hmm. you'll never have a better audience in the world. Yeah. So uh, it was just great all around. But there was one thing, again, this was your people, but <laughs> they wanted you to go and sit at everyone's table in a giant mess hall. Oh, Yeah. And talk to them, but they said, here's the thing. And they took me aside. Like, I'm somebody who knows anything. I'm I'm just the clown. I'm the party clown. And they took me aside and they said, your job, Conan, is every 10 minutes you have to go to the table and say, I'm sorry, uh, Mrs. Obama, but we have to be moving on to the next table. You're like, why? And I'm like, wait, but why would I? And they were, you're just doing it. That's what's happening. (laughs) So you would go over these service men and women are just thrilled and you're sitting there and you're talking to them and they're like, I can't believe we're sitting at a table with the first lady. And then after 10 minutes, I would have to come up and go, hey guys, sorry, but Ms. Obama, (laughs) you gotta go. And everyone would look at me with a kind of hate. Like, who are you? Yeah, and they were like, what what do you mean he says you have to go? Who's that, that idiot? It was a horrible setup. It was a horrible that setup. So and you would wrong. always roll your eyes and go, like, well, yeah, this that, idiot. That, yeah, I'd stay for it. I'd be here for days. But Conan O'Brien says we've got to move things along. That was an unfair situation. It was very unfair that... and you loved it. I could tell. You loved it. Uh, you talk. That was uh, a great visit, though. It was really great. Um, you talk in your in your book about feeling different and about how tall mm-hmm. um, tall was hard for you when you were young. I do think it can be harder for women than mm-hmm. for men at an yeah. early age yes. because um, women can feel very self-conscious when they're mm-hmm. tall and you struggled with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, I, it, this is the, the, the chapter about um, am I seen, you yeah. know, and when yeah. you, you know, first feel othered or different. Mm-hmm. And I start with height. Because I think most people would think that the the hardest thing for me would be my race, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but as I say in the book, I mean, I grew up in a black community. You know, I wasn't different for a long time when it came to race. I went to, you know, I was with my extended family. So it was the height part, being the tall girl, you know, being the... And all that goes along, especially in our era, because tall was, you know, there weren't that many. It seems like there are more tall people now. Yes. Seems like the world has adjusted. People are growing more. Thank goodness. But when we were coming up, being tall was unusual. You couldn't find clothes that fit. I, you know, I spent all these years, I said, tugging on my pant legs because they were never quite hitting right on that. Mine would not hit the shoe. They wouldn't even come close to the Mm -hmm. shoe. And it looked like I was wearing knickers. And we and called the, they they called them floods. Floods. And people would kids would oh, always you're flooding. say, flooding. Yeah. It's like, Where's uh, the flood? They would yeah, say, right. Where's That's the right. flood? And I That's thought, right. This is um, I just hate my life. Yeah, uh, yeah. And arms never being even to this day with custom clothes, I still find myself I'm rolling up my sleeves because the arms were never long enough. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I start with height because I want to define difference broadly, Mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes in this country, particularly we think about race and gender, but different. So many people in this country, in this world are walking around feeling the the mark of being different. Mm -hmm. And what, when you're, when you don't see yourself in a place, when you, when you are an other, you start uh, practicing the the story that you don't matter. You know, I don't see myself. I don't fit in. I don't matter. Um, and 
that creates a level of invisibility that people feel. And we hear that term now, people feeling like they don't see themselves in the world and how isolating that can be. So I try to start helping a broader set of people identify with their differentness Mm -hmm. so that maybe they can see how that might feel for um, people of a different race or different sexual orientation, um, if they can connect to it. It makes sense because uh, race is such, such an important uh, topic and such an important question and something this country is still grappling with Mm -hmm. and and needs to keep confronting. At the same time, it can overwhelm any conversation. When you say, I feel weird about, I felt strange because I was so tall, mm-hmm. or for me, it was, I had bright orange hair. Mm-hmm. You still do. I know. <laughs> but, this, but this is a wig. Um, it Velcros on the back. Uh, You've got such great hair, oh, Conan. Oh, thank you. Now, see, now we can use that. No, use that We're just going to keep putting that right. on a loop. Conan, uh, you got great hair. I do have great hair, thank mm. you. Uh, and but I, it didn't feel great when you when oh, you no, were young because my mom would cut it in a bowl. Oh my god! And so I mean, she would. There were six of us, so she would line Just us up, <laughs> and she had the Sears and Roebuck haircutting kit, and she would bring us in one at a time, and we would sit on a high stool, mm-hmm. and she would go like uh, Mo on the Three Stooges <laughs> right across the middle, and um, I had not just freckles, but really like someone painted them on mm-hmm. like a cartoon. So I grew up looking a lot like the Wendy's girl. And, oh uh, um, and I- With a I, bowl cut. With a bowl cut. And I just, and I had the pigtails too. Uh, but <laughs> that was my choice. That was me doing my thing. But it was a feeling of, I remember at a lot of my youth feeling like I don't like the way I look. Mm-hmm. And I had very specific ideas of how I, wouldn't it be great? For some reason I thought, Black hair is mm-hmm. cool. If mm-hmm. I wish I had black hair and I wish I looked like that person on TV or that person yeah. on TV. Um, I and- wanted to be a gymnast. I oh, wanted really? to be, I write, write, write about, I wanted yeah. to be Nadia Comaneci. That's right. We, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, because I was, at that time, I was about her age and she had gotten the perfect 10. Of course, I picked the one thing that I was physically probably the most ill-suited to be. <laughs> With yeah. these long legs and long long mm-hmm. arms. You'd be one of the tallest gymnasts in the one history. Of the ta- but I didn't know. I didn't know that right. height was really connected to center of gravity. But I set out to be a gymnast and I failed miserably at it. But, you know, that's the thing. You you When you're young, you're searching to find yourself, to find a, a, a model for yourself. And in, in America, in the time that I was growing up, I write about how few models of what, what, it, what, what a tall, strong black young girl could be right. in life. There were no images of me to follow. And then you follow that up by going to Princeton, you know, and I talk about what that feels like to set foot on an Ivy League campus where there was really no sign of people like me anywhere, right? And women, I think when you went to Princeton, it had only been co-ed for, I think, 12 years. That's right. At that point, which is not a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, when you are different, you are spending a lot of time sizing yourself up against other people's mirrors. Yeah. And that's and that ties to the self-doubt that you feel that or that we talked about earlier, that feeling of, am I good enough? You know, because you grow up black, tall, redhead, freckles, different. And you you were taught at a very early age that maybe not, yeah. you know, 
And so you practice those messages. And and many of us practice those messages. And I want people of color to understand that that that's not that doesn't just happen to people because of race. That's happening to a lot of us because we have such a narrow view of what being human is, in, especially in this country. The only people who seem to count, you have to be a certain, not even a certain race, but a certain hair color, a certain height, a certain, and it's usually male, white, blonde, it's wealthy, mm-hmm. you know? So when you narrow down the definition of the heroes that we put, we've put out, most of the country doesn't fit. Most right. of the country feels unseen. And I think that's where anger and and that's when people are easy to divide because they don't feel seen. And why I tackle that is because I think we have to work on seeing ourselves. You know, I try to tell kids that you know, because people ask, well, how do you overcome that? And it's like, well, I had to think about my father, you know, and, you know, he was not just a poor black man, but a poor black man with MS who walked with a cane um, and eventually with crutches and who had was different because of disability, which was probably the very first time I felt different was having a father with a disability. But watching him find his own visibility in his character and his strength. You know, seeing him fall and get up and move forward. You know, I was taught that you can't wait for other people to see you because a lot of times they don't even know you're there and they're too busy feeling invisible themselves. So that work has to start with us. You can't look to be seen outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the work that that is the constant work that each of us has to do to change the loop in our heads about not mattering. We have to rewrite that story. And that's why we have to share our stories. Yeah. I mean, we have to talk out loud about those feelings so that we make people see me now. Now you see me. I'm tall. I'm outspoken. I am trying to model a new way of being for other people um, so that there are more stories out there that count. You know, we have to broaden the definition of what it means to count. That's why I talk about Mindy Kaling as one of the first female and Ali Wong. And every time somebody succeeds and there's a new story on TV about someone with a broader set of uh, definition of being, it opens up the possibility for all of us. And I think that's that's what we don't understand about the value of diversity. It will ultimately help us all. You know, even people who don't view themselves as different. Expanding that story expands it for all of us. But we each have to do the work to find the value within ourselves so that we feel like our stories matter. Yeah. You know, so I tell my story because there are not that many books written by. First of all, there are no other black first ladies. We do know that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it's important for kids to know this story. It's got to be another story out there. All of it. The highs, the lows, the flaws, the dings, the failures, the vulnerabilities. I'm just trying to broaden that definition so that some kid out there will see themselves in me. I know that you felt, you talk about it in the book, but you felt very despondent, as we all did, after January 6th. And Mm -hmm. then you needed to be there for that inauguration, which was surreal. And none of us knew, is this inauguration even going to happen? Is something, is there going to be violence? Um, You seem and i don't know if the writing the book is part might be 
part catharsis, but also we've had some better news mm-hmm. as of late about the country, which yeah, is yeah. Uh, people do still seem to believe mm-hmm. in voting and in accepting the result of elections. So yeah. I, I don't know if you're feeling better. I know I'm feeling a little better. There's a lot of work to do. And I'll always have that anxious mm-hmm. part of me that says, no, 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 we're not, we're not there yet in my own little life mm-hmm. and uh, in the country at large. But I'm wondering if you're just feeling a little better now. Yeah, I think, you know, and it's um, we're also back out in the world with each other. Yeah. You know, so we have we can't underestimate how much that isolation helped to reinforce some old wrong stories that we were telling ourselves, because what what we couldn't do that we need as humans is that we weren't connecting. Right. Right. We were stuck in our houses, in our sameness, just with ourselves, with our own loops and being fed by the news loops that are yep. limited too. Yep. And we weren't having any action, react, interactions. And we, the only person that was out there talking was that president and yeah. all his messages were negative. It yeah. was all negative, right? That's well, why. And still is. And still is, right? Yeah. But there was nothing filling the gap. There was nothing on the other side. And that's what I try to remind people when I... Uh, in the end of the book about reminding people the importance of going high. It It's not just a motto. It's a necessity. Yeah. You know, we respond directly to the messages that we put in our heads and the messages that feed us. And if we put negative energy out there, that's what we get back. Mm-hmm. So hope isn't, it's not just a catchphrase. I, I believe in it. Even though I can be cynical and down, I think for those of us who have a platform, it's our obligation to put that energy out there to stay high because people do feed off of that. So people were feeding off of negative energy. Now that voice is not so dominant. Mm-hmm. We're out. We're, we're seeing one another again. We're running in, into each other. People are a little cranky-er than usual, but mm-hmm. it is better to fill up that space with real interaction. Yeah. You know, and I think, Quite frankly, if I were in charge, I would make us go back to work, go back to school. You know, I don't think it's a healthy thing for us as a society to work from our homes, to be isolated in our comfort zones where where I think we need it. Now, however that looks, maybe we would define it differently. Maybe we have more flexibility. But I think as a human race in this country, we need to be with each other on a regular basis. We need community. We don't do well in isolation. We just right. feed on bad energy and we have nothing new coming in. Right. You know, even, you know, having a nice conversation with somebody in a line to get a cup of coffee can make you feel better. Right. You know, saying hello to somebody, having one good interaction can erase all the bad that happens. But we lost that for two years. And it's really hard to get people to come Mm -hmm. back. Uh, But I think they slowly are. My people don't want to come back, but not because of COVID. Yeah, it's you. They're just... They've it's had, you. Conan. They've had enough. <laughs> they had more than They're enough. They're going out with the with your wife and the what, what was he? The he's the, the HVAC the repairman. HVAC repairman. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. His, name is, his for, name is His name is Stephen. Um, <laughs> I hope they're very happy together. Uh, um, I am very conscious of your time and that you've been so generous uh, with me, and I don't want to take too much of it. So I want to end by saying I loved your book. It it really spoke to me even though p- people at first glance would say, well, what, what's the message that 
Michelle Obama has, it's going to resonate with Conan. I think it's going to yeah. resonate with lots of people because yeah. we're all struggling with these things. Yep. Yep. And my only uh, quibble with you is that you <laughs> talk about having a, all your friends over for a Camp David uh, party and there was no junk food and no liquor. Well, that was uh, that didn't last long. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> if you're ever tempted to invite me anywhere. It's like, not I, I'm not coming. Affair, right? I'm not coming. I'm just telling you up front. Well, we brought the liquor liquor back because no one would come back. They were like, we got to have wine. And I was like, okay, all right. That's in the chapter about friendship. Yeah. It's like you can't have it your way yeah, all the time. Exactly. That's a tool. There's going to be some wine. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> well always... I love talking to you. I mean, I really do, Conan. I know I've, you know, you are one of the most thoughtful um, people out here using your platform to really oh. help people work stuff out. And that's what we need because there's somebody locked away that they don't have a friendships community. And I know that they are relying on these kind of conversations to give them light. You always use your light for a good purpose. And well, thank you. So I'm, that, I'm always delighted to be in conversation. I am making my wife listen to this one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and don't leave them for Steve. <laughs> Just wait. To be fair, he's really good at what he does. No, no. Our air conditioning has never run better. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Michelle Obama, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, such a treat. And um, onward mm -hmm. and do, do your good works. You too. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gourley. Produced by me, Matt Gourley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card, medical, or personal loan debt, let National Debt Relief's award-winning team negotiate with your creditors to drastically reduce what you owe. Inflation and living expenses are skyrocketing, and Americans are relying on credit cards more than ever. With the recent decision to keep interest rates higher than they've been in years, your debt is not getting any cheaper. Start your debt-free journey with National Debt Relief today. Go to nationaldebtrelief.com right now to start your free consultation. That's nationaldebtrelief.com.